When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. Today we have our first special edition when we have breaking news out of the Michigan football program. Grant Newsom on Monday announced that he was going to retire for medical reasons from playing the game of football. He is a remarkable individual and his story over the last 23 months is one that if you are a educator, if you're a coach, if you're a parent, if you are somebody that has faced hard times, this is one interview and one young man that you will definitely want to listen to. Um, His story will affect everybody in a different way. Coming up next on In the Trenches, we will have Grant Newsom. Let's go In the Trenches with John Jansen. The former Wolverines captain and Michigan Sports Hall of Famer will take you inside the locker room with players and coaches. I've made undoubtedly the most difficult decision of my life and will medically retire from football. He's a a leader on and off the field, academically in sports and just in life. Find opportunities to help those who who you can help and and make a difference in as many lives as you possibly can. He's one of the most selfless people I've ever experienced. Not all stories have a happy ending, but mine does. Once again, here's John Jansen. Grant Newsom has been kind enough to uh, join me on In the Trenches. Uh, Grant has a uh, unbelievable story, and uh, before I even start to speak on this or ask you any questions, uh, you've prepared a statement for your fans. Um, I'd like to, you to go ahead and, and read that for us. Uh, sure. Thanks for having me on, John. Um, so here is a letter I wrote um, uh, kind of summarizing my experience uh, through the whole injury process. So uh, here it goes. Not all stories have a happy ending. A little under 23 months ago, I walked off the field in Michigan Stadium, not knowing that my life had been forever changed. I was in the midst of my sophomore season, starting at the left tackle for the number four team in the nation. I envisioned the national championship. I saw myself on stage in New York City, walking across the stage to shake the commissioner's hand and hold up that jersey with the number one on it. But not all stories have a happy ending. Before I knew it, I was in the hospital. In the midst of four hours of testing, my heart steadily sinking, as I realized what we would later know. My season was over. I ended up dislocating my knee, fracturing my tibia, tearing three of the ligaments in my knee, suffering severe nerve damage to three different nerves, and destroying my popliteal artery. Emergency surgery saved my leg and maybe my life. 
I spent more than a week in the ICU, unable to have coherent conversations for more than a few minutes without falling back into a drug-induced stupor. I spent 38 days total in that hospital. Scars litter my right leg as a reminder of the experience. I took six additional surgeries to fix what was broken. When I left the hospital, I couldn't even contract the hamstring or quad muscles in my right leg. My leg had atrophied so badly that my right thigh was the same diameter as my left calf. The doctors were concerned I would never walk again. But I defied the odds. I struggled through nearly two years of rehab, teaching myself first to stand, then walk, then run. I overcame setbacks and obstacles that initially seemed insurmountable. I began to work through offensive line drills and complete lifts and conditioning with my teammates. I began to see myself back in the field of the big house, my emotions nearly uncontrollable as the national anthem played before my return. But not all stories have a happy ending. Unfortunately for that dream, God has had other plans for me. Despite the near miraculous healing in, that, in my knee, the totality of the injury was too much, as some recent secondary injuries coupled with the fra fragile nature of a vascular graft have made the risk of football playing football again one that is too great for me to accept. So I've made undoubtedly the most difficult decision of my life and will medically retire from football. Like I said, not all stories have a happy ending, but mine does. I have an incredible, loving family, complete with the best parents a kid could ever hope for, and two brothers who will surely know nothing but success and happiness. On top of that, I have a girlfriend who is the most incredible woman I've ever met, who's been by my side this entire process, seeing me at my best and my worst, and yet treating me just the same. One day, I will be able to play catch with my kids, to chase after them as they learn to ride a bicycle, to stand on my own two feet and applaud them at their graduations. I'll be able to sit comfortably and tell them about the experiences I've had. I got the opportunity to run out of the tunnel at Michigan Stadium and touch the banner. I've heard 110,000 people cheer for me and my teammates. I've been a part of miraculous victories and crushing defeats and learned how to handle each. I've gotten to be around an incredible group of athletes, coaches, and staff every day, including a group of trainers and doctors who went above and beyond for me each day and treated me as if I was their son. I've made friendships that will last a lifetime and been able to watch those, these friends see their dreams become reality. I've been able to spend time with Larry Prout Jr. and see him grow into an even more inspiring young man. I've gained perspective, watching him fight the toughest battles and overcome the greatest obstacles, all while being respectful, upbeat, and outgoing. I've gotten to know his parents, Larry Sr. and Kathy, and experienced their love. I hope I can one day become a tenth of the parent each of them is to Larry. And finally, I've gotten a world-class education from the greatest university on earth. Forgive me, I'm biased, I know. I've been taught by the best professors, engaged by the most gifted classmates, been humbled and then built back up. I've seen and learned about the injustices that exist in our world, our country, and even our local neighborhoods. But I've also seen the power that everyday people can have when they work to effect positive change. God has graced me with a platform, with a testimony, and with a chance to hopefully make a difference in the lives of many. I don't know what the future ultimately holds for me, but I know that I will spend it working to help others, to repay the kindnesses of everyone who has touched my life over these last two years to try and make the world a better place for my own generation and those which will follow it. In the short term, Coach Harbaugh has graciously allowed me to stay with the team as a student coach, where I'll be working with the tight ends while I complete my master's degree. So to any kid reading this, or anyone who has hopes and dreams but fear they may be dashed, yes, not all stories have the happy ending you envision, but all stories have meaning, and all stories are worth living. Thank you all, and may God bless you and those you love like he has me. Grant Newsom. Well, Grant, uh, for those Michigan fans that uh, have obviously followed Michigan football over the last couple of years, there's there's no introduction that needs to be done. Grant Newsom is joining me on in the trenches, and um, let's go back to that Wisconsin game. Do you remember the play? And 
Can you describe it to us? I do. I believe it was 99 F truck. Um, so it was a it was a toss play um, where we have the F receiver, F tight end um, coming down to pin the defensive end. And I'm pulling out in the alley for the first secondary defender. Um, in that case, I believe it was a cornerback. Um, and the, the crazy thing is that before the play, I saw him in the alley. And I, sa- I legitimately said to myself, you know, if I don't cut him, he's going to cut me. So as I pull around, uh, I pull around, I see him, you know, identify him. I know he's going to cut me, and I and I go to cut him. And then in my mind, I I, I kind of see how the play de- has developed, and I think I'm I'm too too I'm too tight to the hole. If I cut him, it's just going to clog everything. There's going to be no gain. So I'll stay up and try to just go over top of him. And you know, unfortunately, I guess I just didn't process that thought quick enough, and it just you know, um, as it happened, you know, my right foot planted in the ground right as he you know, uh, went to cut me and he caught me right below my knee and just, you know, that right leg obviously just absorbed all of the force of that, of that impact. And there was, there was no harm intended. There was nothing that was other than a football play. It just was a circumstance when it was done. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, the trainers come out, they, they talk to you a little bit, but you just said you dislocated your knee, you fractured your tibia tore three ligaments, severely damaged three nerves, and destroyed your popliteal artery. You walked off the field, didn't you? So, so the trainers come out, um, and, I, and at that point, you know, the, the, the moment itself is kind of a blur. The first thing I remember is, you know, I'm on my stomach, and I remember J.U. coming down and saying, get up, man, get up. And I'm, I'm, I think at that point I'm trying to crawl, and I tell him I'm trying, I'm trying, um, so I, I'm, I'm trying to crawl to the sideline, kind of just in the stupor, you know, not really sure what I'm doing. Um, and then, so the trainers get to me, and they have me turn over my back. And as I turn over, I hear a pop. And so I look at Dave Granito, who's our head trainer, and I say, expletive, I just tore my ACL turning over on the field. Um, and what that actually was, you know, as we now know, was that was actually my knee relocating. Um, so as I turned, it popped back, it popped itself back into into place. Um so it was kind of remarkable. So because because there was so much swelling already and so much damage that had already been done, when that knee relocated, it kind of locked itself into place. Um, so as a result, the knee presented itself as a relatively stable knee. Um, so the initial testing on the field kind of indicated maybe like an MCL sprain, you know, possible ACL tear, but nothing too severe. Um, so as a result, they were fine with me walking off the field. And, um, you know, they, the, my vascular doctor thinks I must have gone into shock because I didn't feel any pain. I felt kind of like a stinging, like a vibration in my knee, but no pain, no nothing. And obviously, I had never had a you know, major injury like that. So I, I just didn't think it was anything too major. So walked off, got in the training room. And then that's, you know, um, that's when we kind of, you know, the, the doctors thought maybe there might be something a little off just because I had some, I had some numbness and some tingling in my toes. Um, so they obviously, they sent me up to the hospital just kind of out of, out of precaution. And then obviously, like I said in the letter, you know, things started to escalate quickly yeah. from there. So you're, you're on your way to the hospital and you're thinking, it, you know, ACL and I, I've been in this, not in your position with that type of injury, but I had a, a dislocated ankle and you start doing the math in your head. Is it six to eight weeks? Is it six months? What is it? What What are you thinking at that point? Literally the exact same thing. I I remember um you know I had my phone. Uh, I grabbed my phone from the. I had my mom grab my phone from the locker room. So I'm in the ambulance with my with my mom, my my dad, my uh, my brothers, my girlfriend are following the car. Um, and I'm in there. And the first thing I did was I went on Twitter and, tr- and looked for the the injury. So I found the I found a video of it. Um, and watched it. and I was like, oh, it's kind of kind of gross, but. You know, looks like I might have dodged a bullet. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just based off of, you know, I had kind of overheard them saying, 
you know, likely MCL sprain. So then I, and then I immediately go to Google and search MCL sprain and I'm start doing the math. I'm like, you know, I'll miss Rutgers, but then we got a bye week after that. So, you know, I should be back after the bye and, you know, I'll, I'll work through this or, or whatever like that. So uh, it's funny you say that because it literally was the same thing that came to my mind was, you know, you start doing the mental math of when can I play in the next game? Yeah. And, you know, you, you do that and you think and then you get to the worst case scenario. You're like, well, OK, if I lose this year, I'll be back next year. When was it that the doctors told you, you know, in the hospital that this is much worse than we initially thought? Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because I was, you know, in the kind of, you know, I was in such a kind of drug induced, you know, almost like comatose state, um, just mentally at least, that, you know, I, I remember that the morning after when and Coach Harbaugh had a, or, or Monday, I should say, uh, Coach Harbaugh had a press conference and announced I'd be out for the season. And I remember turning to my mom and saying, wait, why did he announce I'm out for the season? I'll be fine. Yeah. Just because, you know, you just, I, don't, I don't know if I just, I couldn't put it together at that point. And it took, you know, I think it probably took the better part of 30 days in the hospital before I realized how serious it was. Um, I think part of that was, you know, my doctors didn't want to, you know, just make me lose all hope or anything like that. But, you know, you kind of learn, uh, as you know, as I've learned, they were generally concerned that I would never walk properly again. Mm-hmm. I'd probably be using a cane or a walker or, or, you know, some other assistive uh, device for the rest of my life. And, you know, football was kind of the farthest thing from everyone's mind. Um, it was really kind of more quality of life stuff. And uh, which it, it amazes me from from that point to where you are now and, and the two years that you've almost two years that you've spent getting back to this point. Was there a point in your recovery where you thought, if, if I do this and, and I get to this point, then I'll be able to get on the field and, and start playing? Or what were some of the landmarks that you had along the way? Yeah, I mean, uh, walking was a big one. Um, you know, I was able to walk for the first time exactly two months after the injury. Um, so that, that was a huge one. Just, you know, for my own psyche too, just being mm-hmm. able to walk. I mean, uh, I mean, I have so much admiration for people who are, you know, handicapped and are in wheelchairs or you know, have troubles walking, just because it's, you know, it changes your whole perspective on life. You know, when you've been an able-bodied person and then suddenly you're you're restricted to a wheelchair, it, I mean, it it changes your entire perspective. So just being able to walk was a huge one, and then I started running um, about eight months in. Um, and then uh, we started transitioning to full team lifts and full team conditioning and everything like that. Um, probably somewhere around 15, 16 months. Um, so it kind of, you know, it, it trended upward. Um, and then uh, just, you know, a month ago or so, at the end of July, um, I actually uh, met with, you know, uh, my nerve doctor and my vascular doctor and said, you know, we're getting to that point now where it's getting very close. You know, do you have any objections to be playing? Um, and, you know, ultimately their decision was, you know, no, like we, you, I mean, we don't have any objections. You're, you know, um, no one was willing to, or no one wanted to exclude me from playing football. Um, so, you know, as we've continued in the camp, it kind of got to the point where, um, you know, uh, we're about to break camp in, you know, two weeks at that point. And, you know, it was getting to be that point where it was, I was really going to have to make a decision if, you know, do I want to continue onto the field? Um, and so I kind of convened a meeting with all my doctors. And, um, you know, the biggest question for me was, you know, obviously no one wants anything to go wrong. But if something went wrong again, what, what, is, what is the plan B? And, you know, the unfortunate answer was that because of, you know, both the fragile nature of vascular injuries and um, just kind of the, the complexity of the injury itself was, you know, there is no good plan B. You know, if something should happen, um, it would likely be a salvage procedure, you know, involving, you know, an amputation of the leg. And mm-hmm. you know, that was something that kind of obviously, you know, struck me. And you know, I think when you're when you're in that grind of rehab and your sole focus is, you know, just getting back in the field, getting back in the field, you know, get get one more snap, get, you know, one more you know experience on the field. You kind of don't think about the bigger picture. And that was a kind of, you know, eye opening you know, moment for me where it was like, you know, I don't know if this is worth it. And that's kind of the the, the moment that started 
you know, the thought process with me and, and conversations with my parents and just, um, you know, getting to the point where, you know, I made the decision that, you know, you know football ends for everyone at some point. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't worth it to me to risk, you know, what could be a life-impeding injury. And, you know, and going back to, to what you were talking about coming out of the, the hospital, that your, your quad and your calf were all basically the same size. I mean, the atrophy, when you have nerve damage, when you have vascular damage, it's, it's amazing how fast that happens. When you looked at that and then you looked at the road ahead, what was your mindset of, of recovery? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, you know, it's uh, early on in the hospital. They told me that for um, one of the nurses told me that for every day, every day you're in the hospital, on average, it takes three days uh, to get that, you know, that that function back. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it ended up being closer, um, closer to a full year to the point where I was, you know, back to a comparable level of strength and, and, and function and stuff like that. Um, so it really did. I mean, just, you know, I, like I said, I didn't really, um, you know, think about it at the time, but, you know, being you know, immobile for that long does certainly takes a toll. Um, uh, but, you know, luckily, at least for, for my own kind of, I guess, sanity, I could say, I, you know, at that time, because I was still so solely focused on getting back to the field, I didn't really think objectively. It was more of, you know, day to day, here's what I'm going to get better on today. You know, it's going to get me closer to getting back in the field. And then, you know, this is, you know, this is you know, where I'm going to be in a year or this is where I'm going to be in a two years. And, you know, that, that end road was or that end game was always going to be back on the field. Mm-hmm. When did you, when did you write this letter? So that's kind of an interesting story. So I, so I wrote this letter more than just about a year ago. Uh, you know, I'd had a, uh, you know, really tough, tough weeks of a couple weeks of rehab, and you know, had a had a, a setback involving my foot, um, um, and you know, I was just really kind of down in the dumps, and uh, you know, really, you know, just just struggling, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, you know, um, you know all of the above. Um, and, you know, that was kind of one of the moments where, I, you know, I just, I was like, you know, I, I can't, I'm not sure if I can do this any longer. I'm not sure I can be hurt any longer. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a really kind of tough week. And, you know, I'm, like I said in the letter, I'm fortunate that I have such a great support system to kind mm-hmm. of help me, you know, build me back up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, so I wrote this, um, you know, obviously I updated it um, um, in the past week, but, you know, I wrote the, you know, 95% of this letter uh, more than a year ago. And, you know, um, it, it kind of got when once I got out of that you know that that temporary kind of setback, it almost became a point of you know inspiration for me. Um, you know, the fact that you know I, I've had this and I've had this you know this this great summary of everything I've been through, but I'm not going to have to publish this. And that's why you know ultimately this decision was such a you know incredibly tough one for me, just because it's you know I'd seen where I was, but I'd seen all the things I'd, I'd done and all the things I'd accomplished in my recovery, but yet I still couldn't I still couldn't push myself to um, to complete it. And during this whole process, just just to be back where you are now is is remarkable, and and people have, especially you know the Michigan football family, but your fans have all watched through this through Twitter and through some of the social media where you know you'd post things where I, I walked today or mm-hmm. I ran today, and um, you know you, you already mentioned you spent over um, five weeks in the hospital. You graduated early. You graduated in three years. How how is that possible? <laughs> um, you know, having great a great support system and great you know academic advisors. I'm gonna have to give so many thanks to Claiborne Green, who's our who's our academic counselor here, um, for all the help he's um, he's given me over the past you know three years. But 
I, I don't know. I think it was just kind of, you know, I'm a very competitive person. I would think most, you know, athletes at a division one level or college level or even, you know, high school level are. Um, so when I was unable to compete on the field, that kind of been my next, that kind of became my next, um, my next game, so to speak. My next competition was, you know, uh, I went from being, from thinking, all right, I'm going to be here, you know, four years or, you know, if I played well my junior year, maybe even three years to now I'm going to be here for, for at least five. So I might as well get as much as I possibly can accomplished on the education side. Um, so it just kind of became a, a competition for me that, you know, I, I'm going to attack this, I'm going to attack this like I attack my rehab um, and, you know, just try to get the most possibly most I can out of it. And when, what was your, what's your degree in? Uh, so my degree was in American culture with a minor in African American studies, and I'm going to the uh, the Ford School for Public Policy for next year for my master's degree. Not a small feat in itself. As you're going through this process, you you became close with um, Larry Prout Jr. How have you been able? To, how have you guys been able to help each other mm-hmm. through what you've gone through? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's been an incredible experience, and, and I'm incredibly blessed to be able to know him and his entire family. And uh, I know I actually I, I met Larry the summer before my sophomore year, um, so the summer of 2016, um, and I got to know him some some then, but you know we weren't very weren't very close until really after my injury. And I think I think what it was, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, you know, um, I think I was able to empathize with him after the injury in a way that not many people are. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, my struggles pale in comparison to to everything Larry goes through. And you know, I don't think I've met a stronger human being than Larry Prout Jr. Um, but I just think that for for us both, for me to have someone who's, uh, you know, another person who I could relate to or who could relate to me and, you know, have this experience of going through, you know, um, you know, extended period of recovery and, and uh, kind of an ongoing recovery. Um, and then for, for him to have, you know, a friend who who can kind of share that experience mm-hmm. of being in the hospital and you know, undergoing surgeries and all the things like that. I think it was, you know, very much a, a symbiotic relationship and just, you know, um, I, I just think it's it's been an awesome to have someone who you know I can not only relate to but I can also you know gain inspiration from and just you know every day um, you know, like I like I said earlier when I would have a you know a, a rough week or a rough day of rehab you know I would think back to Larry and I text Larry and, and you know you see him fighting so hard um, to overcome you know uh, odds that were you know far further stacked against him than mine were so it's kind of you know, there's no way I could you know. Um, you know, tap out, so to speak, when I'm watching Larry fight so incredibly hard. And for those listeners that don't know, Larry, uh, Larry Proud Jr. was, um, has basically been fighting since the moment he was born. He has, I think I read from an article that his mom did, th- over 35 diagnoses that, um, that he's been dealing with and over 100 different surgeries. Um, so, it's 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 definitely a struggle for for him uh, and the fight that he has and um, he was if, correct me if I'm wrong but he also was a honorary captain he was so he so he joined our team for the 2016 season uh, through an incredible organization called Team Impact um, and so he's been so we we signed him and he did a whole national signing day ceremony it was it was awesome and so he's been our part of our team since uh since 2016 so he's kind of been along for the whole ride and um you know it's interesting because it's just you know like i said he's been able to see kind of my whole process and i've been able to to get you know a better perspective of his of his you know recovery and his um his kind of ongoing fight and i've talked to um ben bredesen and and a lot of the guys that were on your line Mm -hmm. uh, on your team uh, when this happened and they talked about going up to the hospital they talked about over the last couple of years watching you know the the struggles that you've gone through and it's never been about grant newsom it's always been 
Michigan football. It's always been, how can you help these guys? What type of message do you have for kids, coaches, parents that if you go out and talk to somebody and say, this is my experience, what, what's the message that you tell these, these individuals? Uh, I would say it's twofold. I think the first thing I would say is you have perspective. Um, and I think, you know, anytime you have, you know, a setback in life or whether it be an injury or, um, you know, financial or, or, you know, you lose your job, I think it's easy to, to kind of get into the, 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 you know, woe me phase um, in that mindset and, and justifiably so. I mean, I don't think anyone would have faulted, you know, someone like Larry if he had just been, if he was just angry all the time, I mean, because he has, he has every right to be. Um, but you have to keep that perspective and think that, you know, sure, there are people who have it you know, better than me, and there are people who, who may have better circumstances um, or a better appearance of circumstances than, than I do, but there's also people who have it much worse. And there's also people who, who, would, who would kill someone to be, in, you know, right where I am um, and to be, able, to be able to be around a program like this and, you know, players like this and, and you know, coaching like this, you know, every day. Um, so that'd be the first message I have is just keep perspective and, you know, always kind of appreciate you know, what you do have, um, even when you're going through hardship. And then um, the second would just be to pay it forward. Um, you know, I think um, that was something that really kind of hit me when I was in the hospital and, um, there's one, you know, there's one kind of quick story that really, that really touched me and has stuck with me to this day. Um, so when I was in the hospital, probably around day 15 or so, um, I tweeted out something um, about my mom had brought me flavored, bas- flavor blasted goldfish, um, <laughs> which are, if you haven't had them, go go to the grocery store buy and buy them right now. They're one of the best snacks in the world. Um, but so it had just lifted my spirits up, and you know, I tweeted about it, and um, uh, probably two weeks later, so towards the end of my hospital visit. Um, one of the staff members there, who I had never met before, never worked with before, saw me in the hallway, and he walked up to me with a box of flavored blasted goldfish, and said, "Hey, Grant, I saw your tweet. You know, I just wanted to let you know. You know, I'm really, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sorry for what happened, and you know, I'm inspired by, by your outlook on everything, and gave me this this box, and it was just, just the most heartfelt gesture, and it's something that really, you know, even to this day, you know, gets me emotional just to think about. I mean, just the fact that someone I had never met, who had no, no, no requirement, no need, no nothing. To, to do this, to express this this gratitude, to 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 make this gesture for me, mm-hmm. um, you know, went out of their way to do this. Um, it, it just kind of instilled in me this this idea that you know I you know I myself am going to pay that forward for the next individual. And you know, you talk about paying things forward. Now you're going to be helping the tight ends. You'll be on the coaching staff as a student coach. Um, you're in the Ford Public School of Policy. Um, what is what's your goal? What what you know? Are you going to go into the football side of things and coach, or you stay in academic? Uh, I'm not sure yet. You know, like I said in the in the letter, you know, I think my my ultimate goal is to pay it forward on you know on a much larger scale. Um, and I think that you know not only um, I think it's something my parents kind of instilled in me at a young age, and also has been really amplified through this whole process is just you know find opportunities to help those who, who you can help and, and make a difference in as many lives as you possibly can. And, and you know, I don't know if that'll be through through coaching or through um, you know nonprofit work or, or through something else entirely, um, but I think that's kind of what you know what my what my life's goal is is to to really truly just just make an impact in the largest possible um, you know sense I sense I can. Well, there's there's no better representative for Michigan football um, student athletes students um, and for human beings. I've 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 talked to my kids um, over the last two years in, in this whole process and, and they've watched you and and I think uh, you know wearing the number 77 uh, we've all kind of got a kindred <laughs> spirit um, and I just have to tell you I've never been prouder 
um, of a Michigan football player, uh, of a, uh, of just a student athlete as I have been of watching you and how you've just dealt with something that's not fair, um, but made a positive out of everything you possibly could. And, and the effect that you've had on your teammates, your, your coaches, former players, and, and everybody else that has watched your story um, unfold, we're excited to see where it goes next because I talked to everybody around here and I wouldn't be surprised to see you as a head football coach. I wouldn't be surprised to see you in politics and, heck, President of the United States one day <laughs> um, because you, you just have... You, you, coaches talk about that it factor and you've got that it factor and you, nobody can ever put their, their finger on it but when when somebody is pushed up against the wall and you've shown nothing but class and character and from all your fans, from, from myself, from my family, I want to say thank you for the example that you are and the representative you are for, for all of us. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on. I really, really do appreciate it. And like you said, that you know, that seventy seven is is a special kind of uh, brotherhood, and so you know, I appreciate all all, all your guys' support through this whole process. Well, we uh, we're proud of you, and uh, I thank you for joining us today. Uh, I know that uh, probably bittersweet, um, definitely bittersweet. But uh, we 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 know that there's great things ahead for you, and we I'm excited to see where Grant Newsom goes. Thank you very much. There's big number 77 for you. And I tell you what, when I left that interview, it hit me that there's probably nobody in this world that ever goes through their life without a challenge, without a hard time. Whenever we're faced with those, whenever I'm faced with those, uh, especially in the future, I will think about Larry Prop Jr. I will think about Grant Newsom. I will think about the challenges that they had. I'll think about what was on the surface taken away from them, but there's so much more than what was taken away. What they have given all of us, so much hope, so much determination, so much hard work, and the lessons that they have taught us, I think will carry on. And there's a couple of guys that have been directly affected. Ben Bredesen, who was a true freshman at the time, played a couple of games next to him, as well as Patrick Kugler, who started the first game of the year. They're going to tell us a little bit about their story, how he's affected their life. They'll be next on In the Trenches. Ben Bredesen joins me on In the Trenches. We're talking about Grant Newsom um, and the injury and, and what he has gone through. Ben, I know you weren't on the field at the time, but you had played next to Grant l- during that season when he got hurt. Um, what was it like to play next to Big 77? Yeah, um, I mean, you hit it right there. Grant was uh, you know, he was a big guy out there on the edge for us, and he did a great job. Um, he was one of the smartest players that we had. You know, He knew that playbook. Um, forwards and backwards and he knew every call uh, he was really calm out there the whole time too and, and as a young guy for myself um, it was really reassuring to have him out there and help run the show for me when I didn't really know what I was doing so um, I mean he helped me a lot through those first few games we saw him go off the field and none of us at the time could have even imagined that the injury would have been what it was 
when you heard that he was in the hospital and there was a chance he could lose his leg or, or possibly lose his life, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, it was stunning for us because we didn't really know what happened either. Um, you know, we just we saw him get up and walk off the field. And um, I mean, you know, with knee injuries, it's really it's hard to tell right away, you know, because sometimes you can get a bad one and still be able to walk off. But, um, you know, we, we really didn't know. And then we heard he was in the hospital right after the game and um, just kind of kept getting some more and more reports and everything just kept getting more and more serious. So uh, it was worrying for us. And then Sunday was when we really got the news that, um, you know, like he almost lost his leg the night before. So um, it was a, it was a, it was a weird weekend for all of us. And it was really, uh, you know, it was awful to see that happen to Grant because he'd worked so hard to to get to that point. And um, it was just a, it was a freak injury and just a scary thing that happened in the game. And I know I've, I've walked into to rooms where I've had teammates hurt and, and you know, you talk about going in to see him in the hospital. I mean, there's really no words that you can say and you, you think about what to say to try and make it better and, and you can't. But what when you walked in the room, what was the reaction between or the interaction between you and, and the offensive line and Grant? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went in there with uh, John Runyon and Nolan Elizio. So uh, the three of us visited him that week, and we went in there, and uh, we saw his mom outside the room right before, and she gave us a hug, and um, I had met them just because our parents had tailgated together before, so I knew her. Um, but, you know, I was I had still only been in the program for a couple months at the time, so Grant and I were, were friends, but we're not nearly as close as we are now. And um, But I went in there, and I didn't even know, like just what you said, I didn't know what to say. I walked in, and he was laying on the, laying on the bed, and his leg was just um, – it wasn't even a brace. It was just like a metal bracket over his leg. So it, it was not – he couldn't move it if he wanted to. It was strapped into the bed. And um, he had all these pins and bolts and uh, it was coming out of his leg. And it was just uh, – it was something strange. I'd never seen it before. You know, that uh, that lack of mobility. And he just laid there and uh, he was strong. He acted – you know, he was happy to see us and, and was talking to us, asking how the team was doing. But – um, I really, I had no idea what to say to him at that time because I'd never, I'd never dealt with an injury like that before. Do you look at football different after seeing, having a moment like that? Absolutely. Um, you know, it just, you know, he just was out on the edge and a corner cut him and, uh, you know, it, it was a routine thing that, you know, it happens in football and, um, guys get up from it all the time, but it just shows you that once in a while that this is a rough game and that, um, if that things can go wrong, and especially with Grant, um, you know the worst possible scenario came out of it. How have you seen him fight over the last two years to try and get back on the field and and mm-hmm. play football again? Yeah, I mean it all started when he was um, when he was in the hospital and he was you know keeping all of us updated, especially on the line of um, like when he stood up first, when he was walking, and then um, you know he would go for um, for walks around the facility um, and around the hospital. And I was, he was always pushing the limits, so it was good to see that. Um, and then the most memorable thing I saw was last year in our opener against Florida, we were down in Dallas. And um, it was a Thursday practice before the game. And we were in the middle of running plays, and all of a sudden the entire offense just stopped. And we looked over, and Grant was running for the first time. And we would all saw him, and he wasn't going any faster. You know, it was just the, <laughs> the lineman jog, but um, it was the first time anybody had seen Grant run. And it was... It was we, you know, it was it was cool. The entire field just stopped and watched him run. You know, the thirty yard sprints that he was doing, 
um, for a couple reps, and it was good to see. You know, he had a smile on his face again, like he was moving around. So um, that was a huge moment for him. What has he meant to not just the offensive line, but to the Michigan football team and program over the last two years? I mean, he's a guy that he's graduated early. You know, he missed all that time because he was in the hospital, and it mm-hmm. it just never slowed him down. What's he meant to to Michigan football? Yeah, I think for us, he's the beacon of toughness and resiliency. Um, you know, he's had this awful awful injury happen to him, and as you said, it hasn't slowed him down. He has he's worked out every single day. He's in the weight room all the time. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's swallowed his pride and done whatever he needs to do to help the program. Um, you know, if he found that he couldn't play, then he was going to coach and uh, he was going to watch film and do cut ups and do whatever was asked for him to stay in the program and just help contribute. And he's one of the most selfless people I've ever experienced. Um, you know, like now, all of last year and this year, he made um, nobody asked him to do it, but he just made a player breakdown of the front seven we were going against every week. And it was detailed, you know, every single thing. Here's this guy's first move, second move what he likes to do, where he lines up. And nobody asked Grant to do that, but it was just kind of that's the kind of guy he is. And, um, you know, he'll do anything to help this program now. And now he's moving on to being a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you think he'll probably do much the same you just described? Yeah, uh, I think it's just taking it to a new level now. Um, you know, now he's coaching with the team, so uh, now he's going to actually be officially asked for those responsibilities, <laughs> but I know he's still doing uh, some small things for us on the line too, so. Um, we're very, you know, we love having him around. Um, you know, we wish every day that he could be out there playing with us, but, um, you know, we'll take him wherever we can get him. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time and, uh, uh best of luck and, and health this season. Yep. Thank you very much. Patrick Kugler joins me on In the Trenches and, and, and Pat, we're talking about, um, Grant Newsom. And I know that you weren't on the field at the time, but the Hawaii game that year, you started right next to Grant, the first game of the season. What was it like playing next to, to Grant Newsom? Uh, you know, there was a security there because you knew that he was, he knew everything he was going to do. He's, he's one of the smartest players I've ever been around, always knew his assignment, knew what he had to do, to, and he knew how to get it done, too. And, um, you know, it's sad because he had a really promising career going for him, starting to left tackle as a true sophomore. That's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Especially at Michigan. Definitely. When he went down, and it amazes me when I look at what the injury was. Mm-hmm. He walked off the field. Um, when he walks off the field, you got to be thinking, it can't be that bad. Yeah. And then you get the news that he's fighting not only to keep his leg, but to keep his life. Yeah, the, the crazy thing about it is none of us – None of us knew how severe it was until we probably all got a call around 12.30, 1 o'clock that night that he was going into surgery to save his leg. Um, we just thought, because of how tough he was, he walked off. He told he told uh, head trainer Dave Granito that he wanted to walk off so his mom knew that he was okay. And when we saw him walk off, I mean, I just thought it was just a basic leg injury that he was going to be back next week, he'd be fine. Didn't even know it was an ACL at that point. So, and then to hear the severity of what else it was, you know, you just realize how tough and how strong he was for his, his mom and for himself. When you went up to the hospital to, to see him in, in the room, a moment like that, 
has to give you pause. It has to make you look at mm-hmm. the next time you go on the field or your future career in football. How did it affect you? Yeah, it was a reality check uh, just to see. I mean, I love the game, have the passion for the game, just seeing what the game can can take away from you as well. Um, the thing about Grant, though, I, I went then, I think it was a day or two post-surgery when they finally allowed people to come visit him. And he was in the highest spirits of everyone in the room. Everyone else is down in the dumps, seeing him like that. I mean, he had 60 pounds worth of fluids and didn't look like himself. Um, and he's the one asking about next week, how are we, how are we looking, what are the boys up to, um, you know, trying to ask football questions. And we're just trying to talk life with him, you know, just trying to get him to come down to reality and just – but he – he was the one that brought everyone's spirits up. And that's just the attitude that he's always had on and off the field, just positive energy, um, always always with it. And you mentioned, you know, what football can take away. Um, and one would think, yeah, it, it's taken some away from Grant. But when you listen to his story and you listen to him talk and you listen to the guys around the program, he's given so much to Michigan football. What has he meant, in your opinion, to not just the offensive line, but to Michigan football? Yeah, I mean, he's just a he's a, a leader on and off the field, academically in sports and just in life, just because, you know, you, you see someone with that severe of an injury, most people are just going to throw in the towel right away and just say, I'm done with this, I'm done, I'm going to move on. But he, he fought the battle for two years trying to get back. And, you know, it just showed the, the heart that he has, the strength, and it, it, you could see it on and off the field because he was in tune in the meetings when he knew he wasn't playing last year. He, mm-hmm. was, he was asking more questions than most of, the, most of the players. And that just shows the heart and passion that he has for the game and just trying to live his best life. Well, I appreciate your time. I know that you're now on staff yep. and you got a big <laughs> job with you with the sure. offensive line. So uh, best of luck this oh, season. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Grant Newsom for spending some time talking about his story and sharing that with us. Thanks to Ben Bredesen, Pat Kugler for their time uh, during training camp. We will come to you guys on Thursday uh, with Mike Zordich, Sharon Moore, Brandon Watson, and we will also talk Shea Patterson, who is the newly anointed quarterback for the Michigan football team. We'll have all of that on Thursday. We'll talk to you then on In the Trenches. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of In the Trenches with John Jansen. In the Trenches with John Jansen is an exclusive presentation of IMG, America's home for college sports.